episode and locked on Anaheim Ducks. Well, we're back. Yeah, we're back and I'm joined by Taylor Blake Ward on today's Locked On Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, how's it going, everyone? Uh, Welcome to Locked On Anaheim Ducks. Um, I normally say your daily podcast, but because we're kind of on the modified schedule, um, as of right now, we are going to be doing three shows a week instead of five, since there's not really much news going on. So we're on an abbreviated schedule for the time being. But for today, I am joined by the host of Locked on Angels right across Catella. It is Taylor Blake Ward. How are you doing, sir? Modified is a good word. I've been using altered, but modified is a much better word for when it comes to our new schedule. Uh, I'm good, man. How are you? I know. Uh, I think you caught whatever I did over the phone. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, I had. Yeah, I had not much of a voice. I was, to put it mildly, under the weather, not feeling too good for the better part of a week plus. Uh, but we're back, and I'm going to try to do three shows this week. No, I will do three shows this week because I'm feeling much better. Uh, there has been a bit of news over the past maybe week or so, and I guess we could talk about that, right, Taylor? Uh, sure, I'm up for it. I mean, uh, you know, I know that we came into this without much of a plan and kind of set up a plan, but those tend to be the best episodes, so let's go for it. Man. Yeah. I'm all for it. Let's do it. Uh, we expected this. We saw this coming a long time ago. Trevor Zegris signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Anaheim Ducks. That was expected. We knew this was going to happen after his stellar performance at the World Juniors and after the end of his season went very well at Boston University. We saw this coming, right? This was no this was a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, his performance at uh, the Juniors was fantastic, and he's such a great playmaker, also has a high-caliber shot. I mean, I, I think that was kind of the... The big question was, would his shot be uh, to the level you'd like it to be? And he proved a lot. He answered a lot of those questions. Um, I, I like Trevor Zegers, you know, very talented player. I think he's going to be a uh, second, third line forward. But, you know, that's not a bad item to just suddenly have uh, beyond an entry-level contract. I mean, if you're the Ducks, you want to have that kind of depth on your roster. And if he can be a third or a second or third liner, I think that'd be a fantastic pickup for the Ducks. Um, Ever since he played in the WJCs, he's been on an absolute tear at Boston University. In fact, he was having a nice scoring streak going. He had a four-game point streak at the time, and he was scoring goals left and right ever since pretty much New Year's, including a two-goal performance against Northeastern and a three-point performance against New Hampshire. But, I mean, when you think of Trevor Zegers recently, you got to go back to the Beanpot. I mean, dude lit it up on the Beanpot tournament as well. So you could tell he's here to stay. Yeah, and I mean, obviously this is a kid that's going to need more development. Uh, going through the Division One hockey is a great start, but, you know, you're going to have him in the AHL coming forward, and he's going to go play for San Diego for, you know, whether it be 70 games or whether it be 100 games, whatever it is, but that development's going to turn him into – someone that's going to be with the Ducks for uh, an extended period of time. And this is just a great start of his uh, professional career. Uh, well, not this isn't a great start for his professional career that he's likely sitting at home on his couch doing nothing. <laughs> um, but, you know, outside of that, you know, great for the kid. He gets to make a little bit of money now. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a professional hockey player at this moment, which you can only ask for that. And uh, 
beyond this, you know, you're excited about how his development's going to go as a hockey player. But that's going to be a fun part to watch, and especially for you yourself, you get to see San Diego, gosh, what, 20, 30 times a year. I get to see them uh, five, ten times a year. It's, it's going to be fun to see. I mean, what I love about him, I love his elite playmaking. He makes pretty much any great pass out of nothing, it seems like, where he will get on a really dirty area or he'll get stuck in a corner and all of a sudden make this behind-the-back pass. He knows where his teammates are at all times, and that's something that the Ducks do need. They need someone to get to those spots, but find someone open. I mean, the Ducks still do need some goal scoring, yes, and that's why they have the draft for. I mean, they have a top pick coming in the first round. It could be a number seven pick, could be number six, could be one, two, or three. You never know. But can you imagine Zegras and Lafreniere playing together? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone with Lafreniere, he's a, he's a special talent. I'm thinking, though, with the way the Ducks power play is with Dallas Eakins, they play that east-to-west style. Uh, to have Zegras, you know, potentially grow into that system and have Max Jones on the opposite wing of him, um, you know, that that could be really lethal. You talk about that cross-eyes uh, pass right across that, uh, what do you say, 15, 20 feet out from uh, the goal line there and uh, that's that could be a weapon that Zegras could be really good at uh, so you know maybe we never expected him to be a power play unit kind of guy but that's a good place to kind of have him is opposite of a, of a scorer a shooter whether that be Silverberg or whether that be Jones or uh, uh, Troy Terry uh, you know but Troy Terry is a very similar player he, he's more of a playmaker but that gives you multiple options on the power play that uh, it's going to take time this isn't going to be something that happens next season but it's going to be fun to watch. It's funny that you mentioned the power play. Um, the Ducks were kind of growing into that mold where they were getting more cross passes, um, something they were not doing the first three months of the season. Once they began utilizing the Eakin system of power plays and going more into, all right, let's find someone open. Let's get across 25, 30 feet even. They were really stretching the passes out and stretching that defense on the power play, which they were looking very good at towards the end of the season. It's weird saying the end of the season already, but I mean, it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. And that triangle power play that a lot of teams utilize Dallas Eakins has kind of uh, swapped that a little bit. Um, he hasn't put guys behind the net like he did early in his San Diego days, but having a, a guy at point obviously is a, is a very valuable piece of power play, but the way that they work East to West and kind of expand the defense there, as opposed to expanding them within that triangle power play. I, I like it. Um, and I'm not a big, uh, you know, I, I may get a boot off the show here. I'm not a big Dallas Eakins fan or supporter. Um, but I, I do like the way that his power play is set up as opposed to a lot of other teams in the West. Yes, very much so. <laughs> uh, we got to take a break. Uh, Taylor, can you stick around for a little bit? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> you yeah, you guess been, so. I, have I been booed off the show yet? <laughs> I mean, where else are you going to go? What else are we going to talk about? I mean, what what can we do? <laughs> yeah, no, I'll, I'll stick around. I'm, I'm fine with sticking around. We're social distancing from across the freeway. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, sure. Except for uh, I know where you live and you know where I live, and that's a few freeways away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're home now. Uh, we'll be back after the first intermission. Stay locked in.
Welcome back to the only show on the Lockdown Podcast Network where the hosts are literally a freeway apart sometimes, but not these days because we're, we're practicing social distancing from our places of residence, which is more than a few hundred feet away. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, Jeff Snyder and I aren't that far apart. He's Dodgers. <laughs> yeah, but Dodger Stadium and Angel Stadium... They're kind of a ways apart. I mean, yes. You... Well, they're only what, they're only like 25, 30 miles, but it's an hour and a half drive. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you that live in SoCal, that's entirely accurate. What about uh, what about the Mets and um, Mets and the uh, Yankees? They're not that far apart. No, you got to take two subways to get from City Fields to Yankee Stadium. I know because I've done that trip before. On this... But it's not that far. It's not that far. I mean. It's like uh, doing the Oakland to San Francisco thing. It just depends on the, what time you take the drive. Yeah, but that one at least has a bay between them. But that's still a few miles apart. I mean, the... then you got what Long Long Island in New York, but that's a. I mean, that's. <laughs> have you ever yeah, been? Well... <laughs> have you okay? Have you actually been to Nassau Veterans Coliseum? No, check this out. My New York experience is JFK to the hotel across the street from Yankee Stadium to Yankee Stadium, to the hotel, to the Yankee Stadium, to the hotel, back to JFK. That is all of New York I have seen. And my sister lives in New York. And I've never been to New York outside of just Yankee Stadium, just the hotel, and just JFK. Oh, dude. I mean, there's more to New York than just Yankee Stadium. I mean, there's City Field. There's... Well, see, I, I hate cities, so I have zero interest in going to New York. <laughs> my sister lives mid-state, so I, I'm going to go see her eventually. Okay, if... But... If you hate cities, you will love Nassau Veterans Memorial, Memorial Coliseum. It is one of my favorite arenas of all time. But you can't go there anymore, right? Uh, yes, you can. Ooh. Wait, how have you not heard? Oh, this is also kind of somewhat news if you haven't heard this already. And for those of you that are Islanders fans, you know this already. But it looks like the Belmont Park, I guess, arena isn't going to open for a couple of years. I mean, I know there was some hope that it'd be in a year, but it'd be a couple of years. So what's going to happen over the next two seasons is there will be some games played still at Barclays Center and some games we played at Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, albeit with a smaller crowd because their capacity is about 12,000, 13,000. I totally just cut out right there. I don't know what you said, but it sounds like that crappy arena in Brooklyn area is not going to be built for a while. Okay, so the uh, so the arena isn't in Brooklyn. It's kind of in the Queens area. Close, okay, it's close, I, I don't it's know close. the difference. So, so the new arena is going to be close to Belmont Park, and the old okay. and the old arena. Okay, Nassau is not an old. Okay, it's an old arena, but they've redone it recently. Yes, it has a smaller capacity. It's only thirteen thousand now. However, they've done it up really nice. It looks good. I'm seriously considering going to a game out there at Nassau just to say my proper goodbye to that arena. Yes, I've said my goodbyes to that arena once already. I went during the final quote-unquote official season or full season out there. But it's it's a great, great venue. I mean, it's a schlep to get out there. But the fans out there are amazing. I love it out there. Fair enough. And you have <laughs> just Yankee Stadium. That's it, really. Yeah, that's it. That's all of New York I know. You got to check out Nassau once in your life. I mean, the fans out there are nuts. No, all right. The fans at Nassau are different than the fans at, 
in Brooklyn, in downtown Brooklyn at Barclays Center. It's a different dynamic. That's what I'm thinking of. Barclays is a joke. Oh, don't get me started. I've done Barclays, too. I actually made it a point to sit on those obstructed seats for about five minutes of action. And I said, nope, can't do it. I've had enough. I can't see half the ice. That's how bad it is out there. At least with Nassau. At least with Nassau, you get a more intimate crowd, which I know is not good in our time of social distancing. But it's fun. Wow, we just spent about four minutes talking about New York. And I could talk about New York stories all podcast. I'm sure I could do that later on. But um, there's some other news that we haven't really talked about. And something that I could bring up right now. Uh, Speaking of social distancing, the Sens have not done that. Um, It was announced just a few days ago that four additional members of the Sens who traveled to California tested positive for COVID-19. And that includes three players and one staff member, which means that five Sens players have tested positive for COVID-19. Why is this of importance? Because the Sens played in Anaheim two days before the league postponed their games. So, yeah, it's kind of important to at least mention. It sucks. But do you have any thoughts on yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see any of these guys have to deal with that. It's, it's sad. Um, you know, I mean, do you deal with all these teammates that you, you're around, you know, all year long? And uh, it's a real shame that, you know, it's going to impact a lot of the team and a lot of the players and uh, or staff. And then uh, it may impact opposing players. But, you know, I just feel bad for them more than anything else. Yeah, so do I. Uh, the other bit of news that came out a few days ago as well, and this was some very good news, and I like this a lot. Um, the Anaheim Ducks owners, Henry and Susan Samueli, um, they told all their part-time employees of their sports and event management companies, all 2,100 staff members will be paid for current or future rescheduled, postponed, or canceled events through June 30th. That's a long time. That's a lot of future and, I guess, I don't want to say back pay, but that's a lot of pay for those um, ushers, the food workers. Like They all are getting paid for June 30th. I think that is fantastic of the Samuelis to do. And I know you have some thoughts on that as well, so I'll let you talk. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they're going to pay the people that work at the ranks. I mean, I've been to the ranks countless times. Uh, and this isn't, you know, I've been to Honda Center plenty of times too. But um, the fact that they're going to pay the staff at the ranks, those those people put in so much effort and work. And uh, that, that was really nice. I, I think that was a really nice item. Um, obviously, it's great that uh, uh, the Honda Center employees also get it as well. Um, and I think the big thing is, you know, that it's to the end of June there. Um, you know, putting it nicely, the, the Ducks weren't going to be playing to the end of June. And uh, so it's nice that, you know, the staff gets paid uh, when possibly they wouldn't have been getting paid um, to an extent, you know. Well, Honda Center still had some events going on up until June 30th as well. So they're paying them for that as well. But I want to go back to something you mentioned. The fact that they're paying the employees for all nine uh, rinks, that's tremendous. And I know you and I, we, we've been to plenty of rinks. I mean, my personal favorite, I like the rinks in Corona just because I like the inline skating there. It's a fun place to go. But the fact that they're paying all of those employees as well, 
they put in a lot of hard work to keep those rinks in pretty good shape, to be honest. And that's what I like a lot. You have to think about those small rinks where you have the junior teams playing, you have the midgets, the under-14s, the under-16s. They put in a lot of time with those rinks. So the fact that they're paying them for three months, that is more than tremendous, I think. Yeah, no, I I agree. <laughs> as simple as that, I, yeah. I agree. As someone who still spends a little bit of time at the barn in Ontario, which is a, it's an old place, but I still like it there. But that's just me. I like the older rinks. Uh, what are some of the old classic rinks that you liked going to as a kid? Well, I mean, the Ice Castle up wow. here. Uh, for, I mean, for those that aren't familiar, I live in Lake Arrowhead, and we have we had a, a fantastic uh, hockey rink up here called the Ice Castle where um, the – the what would that be i guess the west or the east uh, wing was totally open so if it was snowing you saw snow coming into the rink um it, it was awesome it, it collapsed due to snowfall uh but that's definitely my favorite the kings would practice there uh so i get to meet i got to meet luke robitaille and uh rob blake when i was really young um and tamo solani would come up every now and then i, I like the irvine rinks i like the the riverside um what is it? What's that called? Ice, uh, Town. Ice Town. Yep. Ice Town. Uh, I know that's not Ducks. Uh, that's not owned by the Ducks necessarily, but yeah, I mean, I, I like it. a hockey rink's a hockey rink, man. It's it's always good to be around hockey. Uh, my favorite out of everywhere is the one in Mammoth Lakes. Um, pick up hockey games on Wednesday nights, man. That, that was because uh, it was freezing cold sometimes. Uh. I mean, you know, I, I would go up to Canada and play there, but. Uh, no, Mammoth Lakes. If you're in California, that's the place, man. It was a blast. I, I do miss playing hockey a little bit. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you and I played before. <laughs> we we played in a uh, basketball courts. That was yeah. brutal. I still have I still have marks on my arm from uh from Jake Pasquera putting me into the fence. Jake, if you're hearing this, thanks a lot, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's going to be censored, but uh, Jake's a good friend of ours. And uh, Jason, I hit you a few too many times, man. I'm sorry about that. I, I put you on your, on your bum a few times there. Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. It's... I was an enforcer. I was a street hockey enforcer. He's he's the enforcer. I'm more of the, I guess, the playmaker. I didn't go for goals. I went for apples. That's what I went for. I was a stamp. I was a Stamkos. I, I was a cherry picking loser out in the left wing corner. I I don't like Steven Stamkos. I don't know if I've ever said that before, but uh, <laughs> I was I was Stamkos mixed in with a little bit of uh, I guess Sean Avery. I don't know. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I was about I was Matt, I was Matt Barnaby. I mean, I was Matt Barnaby. It's as simple as that. I was Barnaby. I mean, if there was any duck that you could compare yourself to, like a past duck, who would you compare yourself to? <laughs> Gosh, man. Nick Delorier, not past duck, but current duck. Ooh, you like the segue I put in there? Because yeah, I, do. I, I, do, I, do. I do want to talk about some old Ducks players that may not get as much, I guess, fanfare as some of the other Ducks. So we could talk about that in the third segment if you want to stick around a few more. Sure. Yeah, why not? We'll come back after the second intermission. Stay locked in. (laughs) 
we're back with Locked On Anaheim Ducks, and we're kind of reminiscing about old hockey memories. One of my favorite memories was not so much playing in the basketball court, but playing on that little, like, outside the basketball court, where there was one time, I don't know if you were there, but another one of our buddies would always play goalie. I don't know if you were there when he got smacked. Um, there was a cup check that he didn't get while Kyle, playing goalie. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Ippolito. So I, cu- I dropped Kyle on a slap shot one time. Where did you hit I, it him? Was a, so I was, remember, I would take it from uh, like the opposite post and I would just fire one in. And I just had a, a, a laser, you know, what was that, like a 70-foot laser or whatever you want to, you know, how, yeah. how big was that, 100 feet? 100 feet. So I probably shot it 70 feet and just a dead laser right to the crotch. <laughs> That's the one I'm talking about. And do you, yeah, re- I, I and do you remember what happened afterwards? Uh, he was uh, He was, very- um, how can I put it mildly? Um, he was up chucking some of the food that he'd eaten before the game. While also saying quite a few words that uh yeah that we can't say here. I've, I've heard my i've heard my fair share and those were some new words <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what he was saying he was speaking in tongues it was at italian that point. it was it was definitely italian oh for sure <laughs> so kyle if you're listening we're sorry man i'm not screw that <laughs> it was a good shot it went in <laughs> you're pulling a martin Furk on him <laughs> that thing was a bullet <laughs> right in the crotch anyway um Speaking speaking of some former Ducks that may not get as much attention, I'm still laughing about that. Um, someone who had a pretty good shot for the Ducks back in the day. I was a big fan of Andy Mack, Andy McDonald. Oh, yeah. He, he was one of my guys back then. And we're going, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Some of those guys that you don't talk about. You mentioned a player that he, he goes unnoticed at times. But Nick Delorier, that guy's a stud player. Yeah, I like Nick, but when we were talking about this, was a month, two months ago, something like that, uh, I brought up Andy Mack and said, yeah, that's the most underappreciated duck, man. I I love Andy Mack. Um, Just always consistent, man, always consistent, loved his game, the way he went about himself. I was a big Andy Mack fan. Um, I've got a few other guys, too, that I mean, uh, there's, there's one guy that I loved watching back then. And this was one of the original captains of the Ducks back then. And this was Steve Ruchin. He was just a little... That was when I was getting into hockey, but I was in Canada at the time. So I was more into Pavel Bure. I was into that crowd. Um, but I remember Steve Ruchin a little bit. Very good player. Very good player. Oh, Ruchin was good. I mean, he was good for 50 points a season, it seemed like. And I remember him from that long run into the cup final back in 2003. And I remember that because they've been playing that recently on NHL Network and NHL Sports Network, where they've been replaying some of the past Stanley Cup Finals. And they've played the 2003 Stanley Cup Final a few times. And you saw Rooch just go go into those dirty areas. He was a fantastic player back then. I liked him a lot. Yeah, no, and I, I completely agree. Very talented player. I, I wish I would have been more into uh, been more into the Ducks at the time. I, I was just. Everything was based in Calgary and Vancouver, man. So I, I didn't have that luxury necessarily. Um, but yeah, no, very talented player, Steve Ruchin. Um, another guy that, uh, that I loved, and, and we were talking about it a month ago, is uh, Peter Sikora. I loved Peter Sikora. 
that that guy was a stud too. That guy, I think, was the very model of consistency for a couple of years. I think. Yeah. No. I. But I mean, anywhere he went, he made the team better. I was a big Peter Sikora guy. I think you're right on that. Pretty much everywhere he went. I mean, he was good in New Jersey. He was a great duck. Did very well in Pittsburgh, where he finally got his cup was with the Penguins. So you he know, didn't get a cup with uh, with New Jersey. Oh, that's right. He got one. With, that's right. The Devils. He got one in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. The Scott Gomez team. The uh, Jason Arnett or Arnott. Arnott. Arnott <laughs> <Jason>. Yeah. <laughs> R is <laughs> whoever, <laughs> but yeah, no, I remember that. I mean, Marty Brodeur, but yeah, no, he made every team better. He was such a good player, man. Someone else that I thought made teams better when he was around them, Saku Koivu. Yeah, I mean, well, the Ko- both, uh, I mean, yeah, he was so good. He's such an important member of the Ducks during that time, man. He was, he was awesome. I think he was a more important member of the Canadians all those years. But when you talk about those Ducks teams of the early 2000s, he was part of that run where they just run, they they ran the table as far as division titles went, and Koivu was a big part of that. The he was the key. He was yeah. the most successful player on the Ducks at the time. I mean, you could argue there was others like, uh, uh well, Tamu. I mean, Tamu. I was gonna say, <laughs> come on, man. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I know, I know. I was like, I was trying to think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right behind Tamu, you, you got to go Koivu. I mean, right behind Tamu and maybe Niedermeyer. Swami! <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a can big... You do, can, you, can you do me a favor and just insert this? I, I know that it, I know that you're listening in a lot on uh, <laughs> Ducks here, but can you go back and play the golden goal right after I say Swami? Oh God! <laughs> and keep, the, keep this in the show. I got no problem with you keeping it in the show, but just play that golden goal. That is the best call. I love that. Are we talking about the golden goal for that country? For Finland, yeah. And what was it? Uh, 15, 16? 16. You know what? I'm I'm going to go back and find it, and I'm going to insert it right here. <laughs> We've made Taylor's Day right now. I'm just going to mention one more player that I liked a lot back then. And this is going to go back a ways. Remember Matt Cullen? Oh, dude. Matt Cullen's still playing hockey, ain't he? I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, he's been in hockey for a a long time. I loved Matt Cullen. He was on that, like, 2 3 team. Yeah, well, he last played last season. He hasn't played this year. Ah, shoots, man. No, I love Matt Coleman, man. He was my favorite behind uh, Jiggy. Oh, dude. See, everyone knows Jiggy. Everyone yeah. loves Jiggy because he's one of the best ducks of all time. Easily. That's where I, uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I was a young kid. I was, I was in my, uh, 
I was before it was before I was a teenager, and they were firing shirts off into the crowd. This is during the Matt Cullen era. They were firing shirts off into the crowd. And some <laughs> some brody dude, some total jerk is trying to strip this shirt from me, and I'm like a little kid. I kicked him in the nuts. <laughs> That's the only time I've been like in a physical altercation at a sporting event was uh, some total jabroni adult trying to steal a shirt from a little kid. I'm laughing for two reasons. One, that you kicked him in the crotch. Two, that you called it the Matt Cullen era. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But good good but on I mean, like, okay, like if, if you caught a baseball at a baseball game, right, and it wasn't, you know, Albert Pujols' 700th home run, something like that, you're going to give it to a kid, right? Okay, so I've caught one foul ball in my life at a major league game, and that was not here in SoCal. This was at Cleveland. This was at your the... First rule of thumb, your first one you get to keep. Yeah, first one I kept. That's That one I've kept. Pretty as much, long as you didn't fight over it. Pretty much everyone after that, I will give away. Let's be honest. Yeah. I, I would I would give it away. If it's a home run ball, that might be a little different because I don't have a home run ball. But when am I ever in the bleachers? But that first... But I mean, if it's a home run ball, it's great. It's cool. But if it's not a significant home run, you, you got to give it to a kid. Actually, this is what I've been doing more so recently. So I still go to minor league games. I check out the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, the Lake Elsinore Storm, the IE 66ers. And I'll get about one or two foul balls a game. You know how many of those give away? All of them. Uh, hopefully, I, uh, I, I was going to say I don't, 100%. I, don't, I don't keep them. I mean, I, no. I have maybe one or two baseballs from minor leagues, and that's it. The one for me is uh, where the press box is at Angel Stadium is out on the uh, right field line. Yeah. And they'll shoot the T-shirts in the crowd, and we end up with I, – I would end up with one a month or something. <laughs> and I just chuck them right back into the crowd, and people, you know – Hey, hey, hey! And any idiot that wasn't an adult saying "Hey, hey, hey," I'd be like, "All right, who's a kid?" You know, and I just lean over and give it to a kid. But yeah, no. I, so there's my uh, fond ducks memory at the at the pond is uh, kicking some old geezer in the crotch. <laughs> it was he wasn't old. He was like in his thirties, forties, but still, you know. But kind of deserved. I mean, you don't take it from a kid. I, I probably I probably took it from his kid. Like in the long run of things, he was probably trying to get it for his kid, but no, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've caught a shirt at the Ponda a while ago. I didn't keep the shirt. I no. gave, I gave, actually, I didn't give it to a kid. I gave it to an older lady who I'd been talking to that was a few uh, seats down. Yeah. And the reason being because it was their first hockey game ever. Yeah. No, that's great. But that's the point. You yeah. know, you don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have fought an old lady. I definitely wouldn't have fought an old lady over a t-shirt. No, I mean, I've given away so much stuff. And the tales of my kindness, I guess. We we could fill a whole show with that. All right. I, yeah. No, you're a nice guy. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, <laughs> no. so, are, so are you. Uh, I used to um, buy a set of baseballs, like a, one of those buckets with 100 balls kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the game, I would give them to any of the kids that were running around after the games. Oh, nice. I just... I just put one in my backpack and give it to a kid. Or if I saw a kid that was really cool around the press box kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, you, you do it, but whatever. You well, know. Actually, it's partially because of you that I began doing this. Oh man. Well, I'm glad you, that I can be wondering, such a good. You're wondering why, right? I'm glad that I'm such a good influence. Do you know why? 
Oh God! Remember, remember back, remember back in the day when you did your TBW challenge, your walk-off challenge. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was back in the day. So Taylor Blake Ward used to do this challenge where whoever would get the walk-off win, they would get some recognition, or I don't know. You give away prizes once in a while. It was always a prize. Yeah. I would always give a prize for the uh, the game-winning RBI in extra innings. So I began doing that in 2014 when I did my whole ballpark tour. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start doing this as well. So I'm going to have a hashtag, you know, walk-off challenge and give away a prize for whatever stadium I was at. And I ended up giving away stuff from New York. I gave away stuff from Target Field. So, I mean, that's kind of where it started and really took off. So thanks to you, man. (laughs) Yeah, you got it, buddy. (laughs) Um, We got to head off. We've been talking for a while here. But where can everyone find you on the socials? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Taylor Blake Ward. You can find us on uh, on the Lockdown Podcast Network right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network over at Lockdown Angels. That's LockdownAngels.com. And you can follow Lockdown Angels on Twitter uh, at Lockdown Angels. And if they want to do the Taylor Blake Ward challenge, what's the... <laughs> it's... Uh, that, that? That has been retired. That has been retired, sadly. <laughs> you should bring that back at some point. I think you should. Ah, uh, we'll see. It we'll was see. fun. I was actually thinking about doing that. Um, if the goals got far in the playoffs, I would do some kind of maybe overtime challenge. Kind of like uh, Bucci, Bucci Ross. Man. Yeah, Bucci Main. Yeah. Bucci. Bucci. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at StimpyJD. You can follow the show at LO underscore Ducks. And we're going to be doing three shows a week for the time being. As I said, the modified schedule for the t- for the time being, you know, I still think hockey's going to come back at some point. Probably not. I don't know about the season, but you know, we'll be back with regular hockey stuff at some point. <laughs> Got to be hopeful, right? Right. And if and if not, there's plenty of other content. I mean, hockey Jeopardy's coming back. I've written a board. I might have Taylor back on to try to answer some hockey questions. And now that his hand is feeling better, maybe he'll do better. Mm, well, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> it's not better. It's not. <laughs> but Taylor, once again, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. You got it, buddy. Always a pleasure. And thanks to all of you that have been listening. Thank you for your support. And I really appreciate it. Uh, once again, you can hear this or any of the previous shows on the Locked On Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And be sure to check out Locked On NHL right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And we got some new shows. I think we have an NBA draft show that just started recently. So be sure to check that out as well. Uh, any final words? No. <laughs> Good. Thanks for having me on, and uh, we'll see you around. Uh, we'll see you at the rink. Yeah, I'll see you at the rinks, buddy. Just don't check me too hard, man. No promises. <laughs> For Locked on Anaheim Ducks, that was Taylor Blake Ward. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great day. Practice social distancing and stay safe, Anaheim. <laughs>